0: Welcome back to another episode of Inquiry, a podcast geared towards students where we discuss all things related to tech from school to industry. My name is Annie. I'm Harry. And together we are your co-hosts.
1: This episode is part of Inquiry's focus series, Tech During High School, where we interview high school students on their amazing achievements in the tech space.
0: Stay tuned to learn more about opportunities you can take as a high school student.
1: For today's episode, we are so excited to introduce Sohil Athair. Sohil is a student, full-stack developer, and designer with a passion for tech. He loves innovating on complex websites and apps, and specializes in responsive design, user experience, and interface design. He's also a passionate hackathon enthusiast and a leader. Moreover, he aims to use technology to create positive, impactful changes all over the world. We're very excited to have you on today. Would you be able to start off by telling everyone a little more about yourself?
0: Yeah, so I think you gave a a good introduction. So yeah, I'm a grade 11 student currently. I love tech, uh, everything to do with it. And uh, I guess that's why today I came to this podcast, uh, just to talk about like my experiences so far that I've had in tech, as well as like outside of tech, just in school and all of that stuff. So uh, yeah, uh, like outside of school, I love to like uh, go outside, get away from the computer. And also, uh, just on my own time, I also love to code, obviously, design cool stuff. And yeah, that's kind of a little bit about me.
1: Wonderful. So thank you for coming on and telling us about your high school experience and tech experience thus far. Maybe let's start off with a few questions about your high school. Maybe just which high school do you go to and how would you describe your high school experience?
0: Yeah, so uh, I moved to uh, Waterloo in grade eight. So I only stayed like two months in Middle school, so I directly switched over to grade nine to high school, and I go to Sir John McDonald Secondary School in Waterloo.
1: Awesome. How do you find that school in comparison to maybe your peers at other schools? Is there anything notable you'd say about your school experience?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think uh, Waterloo has like a special, I guess, a drive for tech. And I, I really noticed that, especially in school. Just like overall, like kind of the vibe that you get from uh, just like, I guess, being in Waterloo is just very, very tech centric. And I really enjoyed that for the most part. So that's something that I really noticed when I first came to Waterloo. Everyone is very studious over here. Everyone knows kind of like, it's, it's kind of amazing. Like everyone knows what they kind of want to do. Like at least in my friend circle, like everyone is like very, very, very passionate on whatever they're passionate about. And uh, that's what I really like about this school. And it offers a lot of opportunities as well.
1: Wow, that sounds awesome! It's really great to be surrounded with people who are passionate, because I think it really helps to to move you forward as well. You say there's a lot of opportunities uh, available for you because of the living in Waterloo and going to your high school. Could you tell us about some of those opportunities you've gotten from your school?
0: Yeah. So uh, for for one part, like uh, definitely, like my first experience was with this organization that I worked for. So our school posted a volunteer opportunity about like uh helping like there's this thing called a uh, walk for parkinson's. I think it was like a year ago or something and it was like for this like parkinson's uh, nonprofit. so uh basically I, I was just like, okay, here I need some volunteering hours. let's just get this through. but like little did I know this would turn into my first like I guess big reaching stone towards like where I am now and to like help them uh, build out their website, which was not even part of the task I was assigned to do like, it was just like marketing for like the event and just like general tasks the logistics and stuff like that but i ended up just like helping them out a little bit on their website but i did end up leaving the team a little bit after so uh yeah it was just for a small portion but i did get my first step i guess into not really tech but just kind of my first experience working with others i think that was, that was really good
1: so you say you found this experience through a volunteer board that your school had posted up was that literally a, a physical board in the building or was there a website or, or web page that you saw this opportunity on
0: yeah i think it was just on google classroom honestly uh like one of the teachers just posted on google classroom about like volunteer opportunities like i think every school basically has this yeah uh, like my school posts a lot about volunteer opportunities in ontario and like around the community and like uh, students like myself can just like go for them and i, I believe that was like end of grade nine, I believe. So uh, yeah, that was kind of, yeah, my school does a really good job, I would say, of just getting opportunities out and pushing those out towards students.
1: Yeah, that sounds great, especially in that at the start, you weren't really sure like, oh, maybe I'll just do this for the volunteer hours. And in the end, as as you put it, it turned into something that became more of a stepping stone for your future Uh, doing work in in tech i think for me when i was in high school there were many opportunities being posted and a lot of them i ignored do you think you have any advice for other students for which ones maybe you should just take some of them do we take all of them that come at us how do we decide which opportunities to take
0: when i look at opportunities i kind of see like okay what else like how big is the organization first off like is it known? who's the team behind it i would first look into You know, is it how much like money they've raised or what type of fundraisers do they do? And are you aligned with that nonprofit, uh, whatever their goals are, whether it be like, you know, Parkinson's, like funding research for Parkinson's or, you know, know, like PTC, like tech, inspiring others to pursue tech. Like, what's your passion? And like, how do you want to help that organization? Like, do you really want to help that organization? And for me at that time, yeah, I wanted to help uh, like spread the word about, Uh, Parkinson's, Parkinson's research and all of that. So I was quite interested in that opportunity as for that aspect. And overall, the organization is pretty large. So I was also interested in working, you know, cross collaborating with like a team. And like, that was really interesting for me. So that's kind of what I looked into uh, when I decided to go for this opportunity or not. And yeah, that's what I would just suggest for everyone do. Just do a little bit of research.
1: Of course, it helps to, to do some research and be prepared for you. Go out and, and put yourself into something. <laughs> Aside from these that you've mentioned, what other extracurriculars have you done or or are you doing?
0: I guess at the moment, uh, not not too much. Besides, honestly, uh, just school and on, and like you're working with organizations such as uh, PTC, TOHacks, a lot. I've been really driving towards like uh, more uh, tech accountability and like pushing towards uh, people uh, to pursue tech and just get inspired by tech. I uh, run a club at my school called Engineering Club alongside a few of my friends. And yeah, we've been able to sponsor the club. And now, you know, we're hosting weekly workshops, like around 100 members, which is really nice. And yeah, uh, that was just something that launched this year, basically. Um, and that's something I've been putting a lot of time towards. Uh, and and obviously, like you Hacks, PTC, and just like various other uh, nonprofits that I help out with bit to bit. But yeah, for the most part, just um, these three things that I focus on out of school.
1: Wow, that sounds very interesting, especially starting a club for yourself and getting it, uh, you know, to a level where it's sponsored and producing content for for its club members on a weekly basis. Can you tell tell me a little bit more about your journey into starting a club and expanding it to where it is now?
0: Yeah, so in I guess grade I think it was grade ten, I was online and my friend, uh, he was he was in person at school, and we kind of needed a way. Like we knew that we had like an, like at the start, our club idea was called hackathon club even right now like obviously there's COVID and stuff but before especially like when I was in grade 10 like a year ago a lot of hackathons went online and that kind of put, gave us an opportunity I was like hey you know why don't we create a club you know that puts students together to teach them about software and you know design and get them prepared for hackathons and yeah <laughs> we ended up launching that club in grade 10 it, it wasn't that big like at the start uh, but I think as soon as we like grew our team like it was just me and Me and my friend basically doing the entire thing but as soon as like grade 11 hit that's when we rebranded to engineering club and completely switched over to everything engineering since we couldn't really do hackathons and have weekly overnight stays at the school (laughs) and that's just not possible but it was possible whenever when we were online so yeah that's that's kind of how the club grew and then you know we hired lots of executives Uh, right now i think we're like nine or ten executives now uh, we have people experienced in hardware, and as and me, um, I'm I'm experienced in a bit of software. So it's kind of what I teach uh, at the club. Like C is what we're doing at the moment, and we're doing Arduino on the hardware side. And just getting sponsors is just literally just emailing uh, companies and just seeing if they're willing to, I guess, help us.
1: Wow, that's a lot of stuff to have achieved in a relatively short period of time. So if if there's anyone else, perhaps in our audience, thinking of starting a club based on an idea or passion that they have, how would you recommend they start off so that they can actually implement their idea?
0: I would definitely say team is everything. So in grade nine, there's literally me and my friend. We did not, we'd had so much pressure on ourselves to push out weekly lessons. It was a little bit overwhelming. And definitely like, even though we had a passion, it was starting to get a little bit more like a chore that we slowly couldn't enjoy enough without actually expanding the team and having others help us that share the same passion as us. So uh, definitely start with a nice team. Uh, Know your execs, uh, executive members at your team, know what they're passionate about, know what they're good at. And that's really what drives the success for a club. And obviously make sure the idea for the club is good. And make sure you have enough people interested at your school that are that would be interested in your club.
1: Would you say that the school gave you support in starting and running your club?
0: Oh yeah, definitely. So our teacher sponsor actually uh did provide us like the school, uh, school board or the school just gave us some money just to buy some Arduinos. So which is really nice. I-, I was really surprised that we actually like we bought 12 Arduinos and they're actually coming next week. So we're starting Arduinos, I think starting this Monday. So and teaching about arduinos and all of that the school definitely did support us yeah
1: what would you say was the biggest challenge that you faced upon running this club
0: definitely finding good executives because there's a lot of people who apply but you know not all of them are going to be as helpful and we want everyone to have like equal workloads throughout the club we don't want like one person doing everything i think finding execs was probably the hardest part Uh, but after you find the execs that's like The hardest part is already over. Then it's all the fun stuff on like creating the lesson plans and just teaching. So,
1: yeah. Would you say that you have a passion for teaching? Is it something that really interests you to be able to to teach other people about skills that you have?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, I haven't had like too much experience with teaching, so I can't say just it. But so far, the experience has been good and I might consider it uh, just going forward, just like, you know, hosting mini workshops time to time. Uh, I I, I enjoy uh, running workshops and stuff like that, just like teaching and inspiring other students. Yeah,
1: That's wonderful. I think definitely one of the keys to having a a quality club is having quality content that you're able to give to your members by, by teaching and coming up with the lesson plans and sharing the knowledge with them. I think it's very impressive the way you are able to get sponsors for your club, especially for one that's based out of your high school, because I know many student clubs in high school operate mostly just within the school and don't ever get external funding sources. When would you say you took the step to go just beyond having a club at your school to having a club that reaches out into the community and is able to gain partners and funding that way?
0: Yeah, I would say like it was kind of necessary. Like since we were planning on teaching hardware, like no one at our school actually, I believe our school did have a robotics club, if I'm not wrong. They did have a robotics club, but they couldn't run it because they couldn't pay for anything, right? For like for software, sure, you don't really need, you don't need to pay for anything because most of it's free. but uh, for hardware, you do need parts, and you have to buy stuff. So we really had a necessity, and I think that's what drove us and like the entire executive team to actually like push towards you know supporting the club a little bit more, just so we can have better experience for our members. And I think you know companies share that values too. And honestly, we were pleasantly surprised on like the amount of support that we got. Yeah,
1: Yay. that's wonderful to hear. That's very inspiring as well. I think it's a it's a message for uh, all of our students in in high school who are listening that there are opportunities to take an idea and and really make it big uh, within your community and have an impact on the students at your school. Now that we've talked a little bit about some extracurricular stuff that you've been working on, uh, it's time for me to ask you about some curricular stuff. So let me ask you about the academics of at your school. Would you describe the academics of your high school as as being challenging?
0: Yeah, yeah, it is quite challenging. Like right now I'm taking like basically all the pre-EP courses Uh, because our school doesn't offer AP until 11 and 12, pre-AP, or until grade 12, sorry, uh, AP, but pre-AP in grade 11 is is a little bit more challenging than grade 10, I would say. It's at least like 20% to 25% uh, harder, uh, especially in like the STEM courses, right? I think, yeah, it's it's an increase in difficulty, so I would definitely prepare for it beforehand.
1: Great. And just for the record, so that everyone's on the same page, can you explain what the AP and pre-AP program is?
0: Uh, yeah, so pre is just uh, advanced placement. Um, it's basically the same as academic at our school. There's not too much of a difference, but I think the main difference is that there's like a 15% increase, 15 to 20% increase in the material that you learn uh, throughout the semester, as well as like, you're, I think you get eligible to do the AP exam uh, if you're interested in like going to the States for university and stuff like that. Uh, I think it just like allows you, and it's just a little bit more challenging. Uh, But not by too much. It's not completely drastic.
1: What do you think is the key factor to consider when deciding whether you should enroll yourself in in AP or not?
0: If you're interested in, I guess the course, and if you're if you need the uh, if you need pre AP, and how prepared do you want to be when you actually get into university? um, Those are kind of the factors that I considered. You know, Uh, when I was when I when I applied for pre AP, I kind of was thinking, okay, this is probably going to prepare me a little bit for. Uh, university course load just by a little bit. Uh, definitely not like by like I have a few friends in university they' def- they're saying that is 10 times harder uh, than PDP. uh, but at least just getting a little bit more difficulty and just getting a little bit more experience with handling that difficulty and balancing all of my extracurriculars and academics uh, through a more rigorous course load. I think that's what I was I guess more focused on, uh, especially grade 11, grade 12 their most important years. Uh, before getting into university, obviously. So yeah, I, I just kind of wanted to feel a little bit more prepared about myself.
1: Would you say you have a, a favorite course that you're taking at, at your school?
0: Honestly, not really. Uh, at the moment, I guess. Uh, I guess uh, physics is quite interesting because I, ha- I haven't taken physics, but yeah, it's it's fun. Uh, physics, just seeing how everything works. I think that's what's most interesting about about physics to me. But yeah, just physics is pretty fun, I would say. But uh, nothing, not no favorites yet.
1: all right for sure let me ask you a little bit about how you got interested in technology so how did you discover your interest in tech
0: uh yeah it was definitely through that Parkinson's volunteer thing that I uh did well that was like my first career stepping stone but like I've been coding since like I think grade six or grade seven um so that's when I first kind of started just like creating little things uh really like just you know html you know some css just like making some cool cool websites at that time some stuff that felt good felt good to like uh to like a 12 year old you know something that felt a little bit you know a little bit extra yeah just I guess just making like websites and just like showing it off to my friends uh just seeing like what their what their thoughts are you know they weren't anything special uh but you know they were they were that was like my first interesting like hey I can create like something by just writing some characters on a screen you know uh, I can I can create that, you know, and I can show it. And I think that's what really uh, drew me into tech, just being able to create whatever I felt like. And yeah, that's definitely what drew me into tech. And then obviously, then I started going into volunteer stuff. And then I saw the true impact of things like this, you know, helping fundraisers, you know, yeah, helping different initiatives, uh, creating cool projects that can in, in impact a lot of people. I think that's what drew me.
1: Uh, that sounds like a great story. Starting off in grade six, building, you know, little things to show your friends sounds like a, an awesome way to really dip your toes into something that you'd later discover has a lot of flexibility and impact on things you can do. When you started, were you following resources? Was there most, was this mostly self-directed or did you have someone guiding you as you learned tech?
0: Yeah, uh, initially I would just say, I I just like basically watched YouTube and just like saw Saw what other people built and saying, "Hey, I can I can probably do that in a few months time. And once I learn enough skills, and I think I, I I literally just googled. I think googling is like another skill set to have. It's another tool in your toolbox that you should have. Knowing how to Google is literally the key towards making anything you want because there's so much knowledge out there. Like there's crazy amounts of knowledge, and I think that's what really is important when you're first starting to code and whatnot. Uh, Like obviously, HTML CSS is nothing like coding related, nothing theoretical. But you know, once you start getting into the more like practical, practical or uh, actual coding languages, so to speak, that's when you know you really need to start focusing, I guess, and just focus on one language. That's kind of what I did, and yeah, I just googled, googled, and watched YouTube. It's kind of how I learned.
1: Well, the internet is is a great resource that many of us can take advantage of because it's easily accessible and it's free for the most part. Obviously, you have to pay for your your Wi-Fi connection and stuff. Are there any particular resources available on the internet that you think you'd recommend for students starting out in tech?
0: Yeah, there's this uh, one website called uh, Solo Learn. It's a pretty good website. It's free, which is really good. And yeah, they do have premium options, but I didn't pay for that. But uh, solo learn is uh, is a good, like, stepping stone. and like teaches you step-by-step on how to do stuff in languages.
1: Awesome. Throughout your tech journey, which I suppose has stemmed all the way from when you were grade six to now, do you have any particularly memorable projects that you've worked on? I
0: would say, like, just, uh, I guess, like, in these past, like, two years, really was, like, when everything started skyrocketing in terms of, like, what projects I've been working on. Uh, one of the projects that, I, like, I guess I was a little bit focused on, like, during grade 10, until like summer grade 11 that was pretty memorable over the past year and a half ish was Distic. so Distic was like a hackathon project that basically grew up into a a little pro not it wasn't too big but uh, i did get the attention of google cloud and it's basically a, a job search engine that was made for the disabled community so basically there's a lot of disability problems with and accessibility problems i should say with all the job search engines at the moment and we kind of wanted to fix that so at the Hacks hackathon i think like now it's been over a year now i think it was august 20 2019 that was like my first big hackathon that i actually won with a team and that was like the team that i stuck with basically to the end for all hackathons and yeah again like preface that amazing teams build amazing products so we built a job search engine made for the disabled community with all the accessibility features uh, resume builder that automatically built a resume. We used a lot of Google APIs in there. And then a little bit after we did get funding from uh, Google Cloud Platform to continue uh, building out the platform. Then we pitched it to the team over at uh, GCP. And then, yeah, that project had just been a little running on the side, but it was, I think it was memorable because I got to work with the team that actually drove it to the end, I would say.
1: Yeah, that's definitely a very satisfying result, right? To be able to have your team not just abandon the project after the hackathon's over, but actually continue to work on it and build it into something that, you know, continues to grow and evolve. I think it's a really interesting concept, this idea of, you know, job search or search engines for the disabled community or a more accessible version. Can you tell me exactly what the problem that is faced by this disabled community and how your, your hackathon project works to, to solve it?
0: Yeah. So the problem that we addressed throughout the project was like, how hard is it for a disabled person to actually find jobs? And there's many disabilities There are temporary ones There are permanent ones. And we really wanted to take that into account. And we did a little bit of research before we did do the project on like, what type of problem are we trying to solve during the hackathon? And we definitely saw that, okay, well, you know, obviously there's a lot of disabilities, either physical or mentally. And we, as a team, we wanted to see what's the best option we could uh, do to fix that. Uh, and th- that's really what we wanted to focus on. So we used a multitude of Google Cloud Platform a- like a- APIs, so Google APIs, such as like speech to text, text to speech. I think we use like eight or nine different APIs. Can't remember off the top of my head, which ones since it was a little bit long ago, but yeah, just definitely just solving those problems as much using Google Cloud's products. Yeah.
1: Maybe, could you tell me a little bit more about the, the text to speech and speech to text thing? How, wh- what do you see as a use case? for disabled person to be able to gain value out of a service like that
0: well yeah if it's a text to speech then obviously like anyone with disabilities that they're not able to hear or not able to like see and type obviously speech to text would help help them and text-to-speech would help them vice versa uh, but also we had a lot of our entire platform was built like we had a chatbot. Uh, that could help people easily build a resume for them easily apply to jobs automatically and like we used like a lot of apis again to uh, do all of that yeah that's kind of what we kind of envisioned i guess in terms of like the tech side uh there is a lot not just obviously text-to-speech and speech-to-text those are like the basics of apis so basically the problem that we were trying to solve was uh, we needed to apis to adapt to any needs so that was kind of the main focus that we had and that was kind of our i guess main vision and we used google's powerful machine learning and artificial uh, intelligence that's the core and that's what makes it the best uh, job searching platform so automatically applying to relevant jobs etc
1: so i see disabilities as you know there's a lot of variety in the things that people face with particular barriers that people face so i'm glad to see that you're able to find something maybe with on the machine learning side that helps adapt to uh different sort of needs. I think you mentioned as well, that when you were talking about the disabled community, that your product hopes to address difficulties faced by not only those with with physical disabilities, but also mental disabilities. Were you able to put something into your search engine that helped that particular community as well?
0: Yeah. So especially through the resume builder, uh, we noticed people with any uh, neural disabilities, uh, anything brain related like thinking about like how their resume actually is and how powerful their resume can be towards applying towards a job and seeing relevant opportunities for them that can work towards the disability obviously uh, so we did make an analyzer uh, that analyzed the resume and actually calculated like how well each of aspect of the resume is once they made it in our resume builder and we we thought that okay this person must have another person uh, beside them to obviously guide them through Guide them through our product and all of that. So we did take that into account when when building that side of the platform, which is the resume builder. Like the stuff that we had was basically use Firebase for hosting, cloud storage, authentication, all of that. Uh, then we use Dialogflow, which is all these are GCP products that I'm naming. Basically, Dialogflow for the chatbot, which is also user friendly for the resume, like analyzing how well your resume is. Uh, we need to use cloud uh, NLP, so na- natural language processing, cloud talent search, uh, Google Maps API, Google Analytics, all that stuff. So lots of Google stuff, uh, which is kind of the aim for the project at the end of the day. But yeah, some of the stuff that we did and just to, like focus on both physical and mental uh, disabilities.
1: A very good cause, a very, very interesting project. As you're working on it, what do you think was the most challenging part?
0: I would say just determining what features is necessary and what features are not necessary. Like obviously with this degree we had like 36 hours at the start to build it. so we didn't really know what we actually needed to do it and like just thinking about the idea I think at the start what features we wanted to implement to make it to make our project stand out amongst the crowd obviously because yeah, it, it was a hackathon at the start right So it was it was quite difficult and just obviously working with uh with like this is the first time that we actually, had new members added to our group so we didn't really expect uh no knew how to expect how well they worked with everyone so just finding how what everyone's strengths and weaknesses was at the start that paved out the way for the rest of the hackathon and then you know rest is history you know you just once you have a good team everything's good
1: yeah it seems like that's been a kind of a common theme for some of the experiences you have so it does hold a little bit of wisdom there Uh, a lot depends on having people that you trust and can work well with towards driving the project to, to completion. Very good. Thank you for telling me about that project. I think next, I'd like to spend some time asking you about one particular experience you've had, and that was uh, at RBC. So could you tell me about what you did at RBC?
0: Uh, yeah, so I, I'm not sure if I'm exactly allowed to tell, but I did work on an internal employee tool. And i worked uh, across multiple like uh, different high schools. Uh, I think it was a team of 32 high schoolers, and we all worked together on different projects. And my team, Uh, and we were all focusing on employee facing products during RBC and, uh, yeah, we, I worked in Angular and it was my first time using, uh, I guess, TypeScript in a very focused manner. So yeah, that was, that was quite interesting. But yeah, I did, I did learn a ton, uh, especially Angular. Didn't really work with it that much, uh, before. So definitely a little bit of a learning curve at the start, but again, like all my team members, everyone at RBC is really, really nice. And they, everyone helped me out, uh, watched a lot of Udemy just like... (laughs) get my get my knowledge up on Angular and just brushing up on that. And yeah, that's kind of what I worked on.
1: Tell me about, a bit about Angular because I'm not 100% familiar with it. What is it and what, what did you use it for?
0: Yeah, basically it's a framework for uh, building any, uh, I guess, web application. And I used, um, obviously we used it for the project that we did at RBC. And like the start of the project was obviously like design. So I think that's where I had my first like stepping stone into like Uh, kind of corporate design, but not really, really interesting to see like how uh, different organizations differ from each other in terms of design, like startup types are like super, super laid back on like their design and their strictness, but like corporate is like very, very strict, uh, which is something that I learned, Uh, definitely saw that, okay, I need to make this as RBC themed as possible. And that was something that we had to do, like before even starting, we had to create the design on like Figma, and then we moved on to making it in an Angular and all the front end components, uh, and then the backend team uh, did their stuff as well. And yeah, uh, I, I worked a little and I worked a lot with TypeScript.
1: What do you think was the biggest learning item that you got out of working at RBC? Uh I
0: would definitely say just meeting other people at RBC. Everyone is super friendly, super like down to chat. Like if if you just send them a quick email, they'll be like, "Hey, uh, uh, yeah, I'm free to chat at this time." Let's have a quick coffee chat. And honestly, those coffee chats really made the entire experience really memorable, as well as just meeting my fellow interns. I think that was that was really nice. Uh, And like, obviously, on the technical side, learning Angular TypeScript, that was kind of what I really learned during uh, during the summer.
1: Awesome. So tell me a little bit more about the the logistics of this. Were you working? Did you go to the office or was it remote? Was it like a full-time job that you're doing tell me about your your day-to-day experiences
0: yeah it was just part-time and uh and uh, over the summer obviously i couldn't really do any internships throughout throughout school that are full-time because you know i i want to graduate high school so i can't really do can't really run a full-time job while also learning uh, at school but yeah definitely just uh, during the summer i just did a full-time job for two months
1: okay so it was an an eight-week program during the summer and it was it was full-time for those eight weeks yeah yeah that's cool. Was it online, I suppose, due to pandemic things?
0: Yeah, it was online. It was supposed to be in person. Like I think the two previous years ago, uh, two years ago, before I started, uh, they were running in person, I believe from the Toronto office, but they did, they did switch to in, uh, online, obviously because of the pandemic.
1: Yeah, of course. That's perfectly understandable. Uh, so how would you describe your team that you were working on? Was it a large team? Was it a, a smaller team?
0: I think it was a team of 16, I believe. Pretty well the first team. Uh, Everyone is definitely very, very smart. I learned a lot from my team members on like uh, technically and not technically, you know, school, like even outside of work, like how to, like everyone was high schoolers. I think that's what really helped me during the internship. And just having, being able to relate to other people and just like talk with them, like friends and not like employees. So I think that was, that was really fun. Uh, we had lots of socials lots of fun there
1: awesome how would you describe the level of guidance you got from your supervisors were they very strict on like what kind of things you had to be doing day-to-day where did they leave you more flexibility to do uh, work at your own pace
0: yeah well well, I mean there were some certain team guidelines that we had to like I guess uh, cope with you know since it was an eight-week program we did have to set some goals at the start on kind of what we wanted to work on during our project and yeah just we did have deadlines that we i guess they were not too strict on the deadlines but uh we did have to meet some expectations obviously like we can't just slack off for an entire eight hours a day and do nothing so we definitely did focus on working at like a timely manner but at the same time having lots of fun in no way it was strict or not uh, strict or anything but i think i just expected to you if you come into an internship that you kind of have to work a little uh, but yeah, definitely not stressful at all. It was it was it was a really good experience, really fun for my first internship. I think.
1: Yeah, that sounds awesome. Especially having the opportunity to do this in grade eleven, I suppose is something. An internship is not something that many students have the chance to do until they're maybe in in post secondary. So I think it's great that you were able to find a team that was stress free. You know, did not put too much pressure on you and gave you a good edge and a lot of insights into working in kind of an in industry, right? so how did you end up finding this program was it difficult to apply and get into
0: honestly like I didn't really have any other opportunities that I was pursuing that summer and I was just like hey a tech internship you know I was at the end of grade 10 and I was going to do it that summer and I was just like hey let's just google high school internships and there's only one that came up and like the due date was like closing very soon so I was just like Let's just apply. And yeah, surprisingly, I did get in on like very unexpected that I got in. But yeah, no, it was, it was, yeah, it is a pretty competitive program, obviously being the only high school program, I think. Yeah, it's like one of the only high school programs in Canada, obviously for high
1: Yeah, well, well deserved to you, then you were able to find the opportunity and grab it before the, the window closed on you there. So I guess a general piece of, of advice to take away there is uh, you got to look before you can manage to land these opportunities, right? If it, If you hadn't done that google search just you know days before the the application was closing then you wouldn't have had this opportunity (laughs) okay so you mentioned that one of the key values that you got from working there was that networking can really help you to learn a lot from the people you meet so when you when it comes to these coffee chats that you mentioned that you've done did you find that you were needing to put in a lot of work to schedule them with, with people? Did you find that it took a lot of your own initiative? Or were people more willing to come and just come to you and, and talk to you about things?
0: Yeah, well, obviously like, I had to like reach out, but as soon as you reach out, they will respond very quickly. And honestly, everyone at RBC was amazing, just to have coffee chats with. Everyone had their own unique personalities, personal stories uh, that they were willing to share relating to their career as well as outside of their career. Um, I think that was really valuable. Uh, and yeah, everyone's like super easy to reach out to. And definitely one of the most unique, I guess, networking opportunities I've had.
1: That's great. I think a lot of people have challenge in, you know, finding the courage, maybe even to reach out and, and ask for a coffee chat. Do you have any advice for maybe students who don't want to feel like they're a bother or, or disrupting other people's schedules?
0: You should just, I guess, know that everyone is willing to chat for the most part, unless they're like extremely busy or you know you're just reaching out to them randomly like know your expectations i guess uh but also like everyone is for them i guess for the most part just not willing to talk to you and just willing to i guess help others out uh yeah that's definitely just don't be afraid
1: yeah that's good advice that's good advice because what's the worst that can happen i think at some point you have to overcome the, the fear maybe of, of reaching out and feeling like a disruption to other people. But I think for you, I'm really happy that you found a way that works for you in, in reaching out and you've gotten a lot of good connections and networking out of it. I think that's pretty inspirational for other students who are looking to do the same thing and really learn a lot from people in the industry or their their colleagues. After completing the this internship, what do you think for the future? Are you planning on pursuing more internships? Because you still have uh, a few years of high school left. What do you think you're planning on doing for these last couple of years?
0: Uh, definitely, I think just grade 11 and 12, just focusing and zoning on academics. For now, I think is is my main, uh, main focus, but definitely I'll be hopefully pursuing another internship this summer, either related to, uh, obviously, software engineering. Also, maybe thinking about, like, I'm also a UX designer, so maybe a UX product design internship uh, or project management internship, something like that. Uh, but I'll, something related to tech definitely but like if i don't do that i'll probably just end up uh, working on another project by myself and just like pushing that towards um, just building a good team again maybe like building something out of that we'll see
1: all right very good that's some good plans for the future how about after high school then any thoughts about you know a post-secondary education
0: uh yeah right now thinking about going to waterloo because i'm from waterloo so nearby <laughs> i don't really you like moving out too much so yeah Waterloo does seem University of Waterloo seems to be a great option for me I like the programs especially the software engineering and the CS programs they're pretty well renowned so yeah definitely just like post-secondary something on my mind at the moment and that's kind of why I'm focusing a little bit more on academics these next two years.
1: All right, very good. Well, best of luck there for the future in in post-secondary education. I think before I move on to my next topic, I want to ask you just one more thing about internships and high school internships. And that's, do you have any tips for other high school students interested in finding these kind of summer or part-time jobs in the tech industry?
0: Yeah, uh, I would definitely say just prepare yourself beforehand on like just gaining experiences because a lot of companies, what they look for in students, uh, whether, you you know, university students or high school students, uh, even some middle schoolers I've seen get internships. They are very talented. but yeah, just definitely just reach out to whoever you know uh, locally and just see you know what 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 stuff are they working on. It doesn't even have to be a company related to tech. It could be like a food business. Like I know a lot of my friends a uh, co-op position at um, at a at a food food startup. and it was nothing related to tech. They just literally helped out with their website and and that's it. But that was like kind of the first stepping stone. And obviously they move on to other stuff but uh, don't be afraid to ask i think is the main thing just ask everyone around you
1: all right that's very good advice and i especially like the part that sometimes these tech opportunities don't often come from jobs we associate with tech and like you mentioned like a, a food store, or something like that would need help with their website. And you yourself, you had one of your first projects you mentioned was with the uh, the Parkinson's charity. So there's always opportunities out there really in tech. <laughs> I want to ask you a little bit more about hackathons, because you mentioned that you've done a few in the past, and now you're helping to lead or or run hackathons. Can you tell me about maybe when, when did you start going to hackathon?
0: Uh, it was actually just right before, right after the pandemic started. So unfortunately i was planning on going to um win hacks i think that's winter's uh hackathon and basically i i you know i I got accepted and everything and then they sent an email the next day saying they're moving online so my first hackathon experience was all online and all the other hackathons i did were online so i never had a true in-person hackathon experience unfortunately yet Uh, but hopefully i can do that sometime soon once the uh, once COVID goes away, but yeah, I I started in yeah March 2019. I think was my first hackathon. Obviously, did not win it. Our project was is hiding on my portfolio, and just, no one's able to see it. It's really <laughs> it's not. it's not the best. But you know, it was we made a. I think it was a COVID tracker. Uh, actually, like uh, like just seeing how many cases and you know deaths have been like just like, creating a little app. It was really simple. But yeah, it it was, it was fun. It was just a. I think just a two-person team. Yeah, it was just a little dabble into what hackathons are. And like, I think I was in grade nine. Yeah,
1: so now, how would you describe your current stage of of hackathons? Would you say that you're competing at a really high level or competitive level?
0: Yeah, so I I did get invited to uh, Pinnacle, which is basically the pinnacle of hackathons, as they call it or the Olympics of hackathons, it basically invites 200 of the world's top hackers to like one big hack in Dallas, Texas. I per- participated virtually, last minute, like changed, but uh, yeah, it, w- it was hosted in Dallas, Texas. Most people came, but I had to stick online because of high school. And most of them were like college or you know university students. And it was, yeah, it was, it was interesting to meet everyone at the hackathon. And yeah, I would say I'm pretty well-versed in hackathons and I'm willing to like explore a little bit outside of hackathons. And that's kind of why I'm just like organizing at this point and just like inspiring others.
1: Awesome. So maybe could you give some recommendations to our audience about starting off in hackathons? What would you say is the first step to take?
0: First step is definitely finding your friends, finding you know a local friend group, finding someone you can rely on, someone you can trust to do hackathons with long term, uh, because you really build off the skills you learn from the first hackathon. Uh, to do more in the future and that's kind of what what kind of i focused on so definitely just team 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 number one <laughs> and then see how well your team works with each other see their weak points uh, see what people can help out each other um you know see see who you need in your team if you need like an extra member what are your weak points and how can you fix them uh, definitely like and, and the hackathons are just the start you know that can grow into creating projects uh, in the future and uh, more stuff outside of hackathons like clubs and stuff like that. So good to find a good local team like I didn't do it locally, but um, like I did have a few people from the US that I worked with. Um, Yeah, I would say find a team locally um, is probably your best bet. And if not, obviously just reach out online through other hackathons, but I find it best and easiest to find friends uh, locally that you can work with.
1: Great, That's some awesome specific advice for for starting out. Would you say that now you're an organizer? It's given you some insight onto how to compete at hackathons at a higher level?
0: Uh, Honestly, not really. You get more insight when you're actually a participant because on the hackathon organizing side, it's really more about just management. Uh, To be honest, it's it's not really much about, I guess, because we're not really the judges of the actual project. We're just the organizers, right? So there's other other judges, obviously. But yeah, not really if you're, you don't think about like, if you're an organizer, you're going to get like insights into how to win at hackathons. I don't think that's true.
1: Oh, too bad here. I was hoping we'd be able to reveal the big secret to winning at hackathons. But turns out maybe the big secret is get some of your friends try really hard and have a good idea or something. like
0: that. <laughs> yep, exactly.
1: Okay. Well, I guess one last question about hackathons is that how have you found your experience to be or organizing hackathons to be? Has it been rewarding and, and fulfilling?
0: Uh yeah, I would say it did leap off into a lot of more opportunities. You know, working with Google Cloud Platform to continue building our project, and we still are continuing that project. And I guess just working with yeah, working with the Google Cloud Platform that you know I could sh- I could share that when I applied to RBC. You know, hey. I worked on this project called This stick, right? I think that was that was really cool, you know, something to leap off of. And yeah, obviously hackathons really good for r- resumes, whatever you're applying for, especially like as a high schooler where you don't have any experience, where you can list this stuff as your projects, that's, that's really valuable.
1: Okay, wonderful. Seems like hackathons are a, a good way to go for uh, high school students interested in starting out a, a tech project that they can add to their resumes or portfolios. I think the last few questions I want to ask you, Soho, just more relate to your your life outside of tech. So how have you found the balance to be when working, like, especially when you're working full-time during your internship to to find that kind of work-life balance?
0: Yeah, uh, honestly, like, it was was really, really, really not stressful at all. There was a lot of social nights that we did with, like, fellow interns. And since we're all in high school, we can really bond with each other. And a lot of them are going to university now. uh, So we talked about all that stuff. And yeah it was it was really not really there's no like balance that was needed to be honest it was already balanced for us if that makes sense so we didn't yeah it was really nice no complaints at all about that interest. That was great
1: okay perfect that sounds like a great opportunity to to take during your summer and not too much stress about uh whether you can balance that with you know, the rest of your hobbies and, and your life. How about school, though? School might be a different picture. Are you finding that as pressures mount up from academics and extracurriculars that it's more difficult to balance hobbies and other life items?
0: Yeah, I would say so. Like now I've got into the habit, like where I need to schedule stuff so I don't miss stuff. And I think that's what's differentiated me from grade 11 and grade 9. Is now i need to actually schedule i never thought about scheduling in grade 9 i never thought that was necessary i thought google calendar was a joke but at this point i'm i'm like living off of google calendar cuz like everything is really really busy and i have tons of stuff that i need to do i guess every day um uh, that are keeping me busy and also like focusing on academics uh you know staying up studying all of that fun student stuff so yeah definitely a lot more a lot more pressure over this year and I'm expecting it as well grade 12 it's going to be about the same but yeah just a lot more a lot more stuff that needs to be done I guess in grade 11 and 12.
1: So what does your schedule look like on a day-to-day basis and how do you manage that?
0: Well every day is a little bit different but for the most part Monday to Friday obviously school ends at two ten 10 to around 3 p.m I take a little break and then 3 p.m and onwards you know meetings and then also just focusing on any homework that I need to do any assignments that I have to catch up on And yeah, just like studying right, literally right after school. I would say that that's the best habit to get into. Finish your stuff fast so you don't have to worry about it.
1: That's good. I I was always a procrastinator. Even nowadays, I don't tend to finish my work right after I get it. But I think perhaps if you really want to balance many things on your schedule, that's a habit that you should look into uh, picking up. And you say you use Google Calendar mostly to do your time management. Is there anything else that you use or are you just using the one thing?
0: I use Google Calendar for like, you know, meetings or like time blocking. I started doing that lately. find it pretty pretty useful for the most part if you try to stick to it, which I sometimes don't, but keeps me accountable, I would say. Sends you that little reminder on your phone, the little notification that says, hey, you're supposed to do this. <laughs> why are you doing? Why are you watching YouTube right now? You know? Um, it's, it's a little it's a little updater it's like a little personal assistant uh, really enjoy how it works with everything but also I've been using Notion just for like not time and not anything time management just for like organizing you know all my all my stuff that I need for school or anything that I need for like any of the organizations that I work for and etc like that and any projects that I handle
1: yeah. all right well because this is a program geared towards people in high school and those going to high school, I think I'd like to end off with one final question for you, Sohail, which is what advice would you give yourself going into high school in grade nine?
0: uh definitely focus on extracurriculars and just pump them up on grade nine and 10 and then focus on uh, academics in grade 11 and 12. That's the one little mistake that I did. I kind of slacked off in grade nine for a bit and that wasted a few months, uh, I guess, in terms of like preparing myself. I feel like I would have been a lot more successful in grade 11 and twelve if I didn't really slack off that much in grade nine. But yeah, uh, just get started as soon as possible. Like if you're not even in high school at this moment, middle school, you're not doing anything, but make sure you're hanging out with your friends, having a social life, but also balancing and adding some workload when you're not really having a workload, because in the future you are going to have a workload and you've got to be prepared for that.
1: All right. Well, so Hill, today you've told us a lot about managing club responsibilities, going to hackathons, finding a tech internship while in high school. Thank you so much for sharing your insights, your experience, and your advice with us today.
0: Yep, for sure. It was a pleasure being here.
1: Awesome. That concludes Season 2, Episode 3 of Inquiry.
0: Thanks for tuning in and having us be part of your journey to code your future.
1: Make sure to follow us on social media to stay in the loop and for a chance to have your questions answered in our next episode. See you there.